Welcome to Mac. We are so glad you're here today. It's always great to come together on the first day of the week to worship God, to sing, to be with each other. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, uh, you are really a special guest for us. We want to welcome you. Hope that uh, you've had a very hospitable kind of a welcome. We, uh, we want to be a church that, that loves people. As you can see from the sign behind me, our church mission is to love God, to love people, and to change the world through that love of God and the love of people. And my name is Mark, in case we've never had a, a chance to meet. I'm going to be by a green wall out in the big foyer after worship this morning. And if we've never had an opportunity to meet, if maybe you're visiting uh, and have been visiting for a while and, and uh, wanting to figure some things out, about your own life and about God and about our church. That'd be a great time to come by and, and to meet me and we can talk about that. If you're visiting here for the first time, please come by before you leave to go out to lunch and, and just stop by, that, that's, that's meet each other, shake hands, hug, uh, whatever. But, but I would be remiss if I didn't have an opportunity to just tell you how, how special it is that you're here with us today, especially on this first Actually, I started to say it's the first day of the new year. It's actually the last day of the old year. And uh, so, Happy New Year to everybody. Well, you can say Happy New Year back. Happy New Year, <laughs> Happy new year everybody. As you know, we start a new year tomorrow. Uh, one of the things that, I, I don't know if you think about this very often, but you know, something really, really incredible happens every January 1st at the beginning of a new year. Just about the whole world shares something in common. And it doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter whether or not you're rich or poor or uh, the country that you happen to live in, whether you're single or married, the color of your skin, the language you speak, whether or not you're old or middle-aged or, or young or whatever, that thing that everybody in the world has in common, shares in common this time of year is the desire for a new start. The desire to start anew, to start fresh. It's to put the past and I think that, you know, you know, if you have any bit of self-awareness, uh, just a degree of it, you know that the last year there were moments where, you know, you had some proud moments and there were some moments that you were not so proud. There were some moments that you would say, you know, I hope I remember that. And there were other moments where you say, I hope that at some point in my life I can forget about that. But people want to put things behind them. They want to look ahead. They want it to be better this next year than it was this last year to do better in the future. And so for a lot of people around the world, but let's talk about our own culture. In our own culture, that's, you know, January is when all of the new gym memberships start up for at least a month. Everybody's got a new diet, at least for a month, right? That we want to we wanna do less TV. We want to read more books. We want to spend more time off of social media. We want to spend more time interacting with real flesh and blood, people that have bones and you know, brain. We want to interact more with real human beings, at least for the month of January. Uh, if you're new to Mac, or your first time with us as a visitor today, there's, a, there's an old fellow, he he's, was a, a century, a, a brilliant Christian mind about a century ago that uh, we quote a lot around here. His name's G.K. Chesterton, he was English. And he has this really fabulous quote that I think about every time 
uh, we come around to this time of year. And it goes like this. The object of the new year is not that we should have a new year. It is that we should have a new soul. The object of the new year is that we should, you know, not that we should have a new year, but it should be that we should have a new soul. Now, as disciples of Jesus of Nazareth, we sort of get that, right? I mean, we understand that there's more to life than, than what we just experience on, on the outside. We, we, we get that. Many of us want a closer relationship with God in the new year. We want to be closer next year than, than we were in the last year. Or we want to be closer to brothers and sisters, have a closer relationship with our church family, more so next year than we had last year. Many want a better Bible knowledge. Many want to be involved in kingdom purposes. Uh, last night I was at the hospital with a sister in Christ, and she's overcoming some surgery, and, and she's already talking about the people that she wants to share her faith with. This next year there are going to be people, people that are very close to us. Maybe they're members of our family. Maybe they're a spouse. Maybe they're people we've known all our lives. But we want them to know the joy of being a disciple of Jesus and to experience that abundant life that Jesus offers. Now, this last week, it was Christmas Eve, right? And the big question that we asked last week was this, why is Christmas merry? Why is Christmas merry? We say Merry Christmas to everybody. Nobody ever asked why, but we as disciples of Jesus have a very profound and, and incredibly deep reason for Christmas to be merry for us. We are being reminded that Jesus, the Son of God, left the harmony, the celebration, the love, the unity of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, celebrating, loving each other, comes to earth as one of us in order to change everything, most importantly, to change you and to change me. Now here we are a week later. Today is New Year's Eve, and we want to consider another question, and the question is this. What do I need to do better. What do, I, what do I need to do better in 2024 than I did in 2023 or 2022? Now, as we begin to consider this question, it's kind of interesting to note that there is a curious disconnect that happens at this time of year. Now, last week, we're considering why is Christmas Mary? It's because of Jesus. Jesus comes and changes everything. The life he lived is the life that we should have lived. And the death that he dies is the death that we should have died or we should die, but we get the life that he lived. He transforms everything. We are going to enjoy, and when, when heaven and earth are joined together, we are going to enjoy the resurrection life. We get that when Jesus came, he changed everything. But this week, as we begin to think about, well, it's a new year. I want to be a new person. I want to do better than I did last year. I want to become more profound. I want to be deeper. I want to be more effective in the kingdom of God. We always, always, always think about it in terms of what, do, what, do, what are the things that I need to be doing? What do I need to do? Here is something that we should never, ever, ever forget as disciples of Jesus. That Jesus, not January, transforms people. Now we look at that last week and we say, oh yeah, I'm so grateful that Jesus was born, lived for 33 years, died on the cross, was resurrected, ascended into heaven. He's Lord of everything, and He's Lord of my life, and He changes everything by His power. But then all of a sudden we disconnect from that way of thinking, and on January 1st we begin to think about what I've got to do. 
Now, Jesus not only calls people to become like him, but following him. Jesus not only calls people to become like him by following him, but he gives them the power to become like him. So how do we engage with Jesus? How do we engage with God? How do we engage with the kingdom of God in such a way that we become empowered in our following him to become like him? Well, there are several things that you can do. I want to focus in on one this morning. And that is, as we begin 2024, to begin contemplating what it is we need to do to engage our life with the, with the way of God. So let's hear Proverbs 14, verse 8, one more time. The wisdom of the what? The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Let's read that first phrase together in our outside voices. Do it with me. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. That is how, that, you know, that's really what the book of Proverbs is all about, right? When you read Proverbs, it's about how to live a life that is engaged with God. When you read the, the, the wisdom of Proverbs, it's, it's how to live in such a way, in a practical way, that when we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Proverbs is helping us to understand how that happens in a practical way. How we engage our way, how we engage our life with the will of God. Now that's not just the Hebrew scriptures. We find it also in the Christian scriptures in the New Testament. Think about what Paul writes in, in a lot of different places, but in particular, specifically, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 15. He says, be very what? Be very careful, right? What do we need to be careful about, Paul? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, let's stop there for just a second. What Paul is saying is that if, if your eyes have been opened to the spiritual realities of the kingdom of God and you're living right in the middle of it, one of the things that you realize, and not only realize, but you experience on a daily basis, is that the world that we live in, as beautiful as it is, and in the ways that it honors God at the same time, is broken. And at the same time, there are forces, malevolent forces, that have their eyes on us, wanting to, to work uh, you know, the bad things and the worst things and worst case scenarios and, and terrible things and unspiritual things into our life. That the world that we live in at many, at many, many points in our life is working against us. So the wise people are going to make the most of every opportunity knowing that not everything is working in their favor. Not everything, not everybody, not everything that they experience, not, not everything that happens, the circumstances, the situations that we find ourselves in are going to be moving us towards God. With that in mind, Paul says, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, in both the Hebrew and the Christian scriptures, there is a call to live wisely, to live prudently. That is, to connect your life, your one and only life, the one and only life that you have been gifted with. To, to connect your life to God. In Proverbs, 
In other places around the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Christian Scriptures, there is a call to be wise. Now, the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in the Hebrew Scriptures, is basically describing what a wise life looks like. A wise life as it engages God and it engages the wisdom of God and the will of God finds itself being able to navigate the complexities of life. The different kinds of circumstances and the situations that we encounter, whether they are good or whether they are, they are evil, whether there are, are pitfalls and traps, whether there's a blessing. At the, it, it's about engaging our life in such a way that we, that we live our life according to the will of God. Now, there are three kinds of people in the book of Proverbs that are described. There are the evil people. These are the people who could care less about God, and they could care less about other people. These are the people that are bent on bringing destruction by any means into the lives of others, most of the time to their profit or at least to build themselves up. But ultimately, the book of Proverbs tells us, is that these people, the evil people who have nothing to do with God, shun God, deny God, say there is no God, whatever it is, when they disengage with God, that it not only brings ruin by their own actions to the lives of other people, but it also ultimately is going to bring danger and destruction into their own life. And the wisdom of Proverbs says you need to stay, you know, keep the, the influence of those people at a distance. And then there are the foolish people. There are the evil people and the foolish people. These are the folks that keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. These are the people that do everything, you know, the same thing over and over again, and they keep falling into the same traps. They are thoughtless about their life. And, and, and it shows that they are thoughtless about their life in, in the consequences of their decisions. So where the book of Proverbs says, hey, you know, when it comes to the evil people, keep, you know, keep your distance. Don't allow them to have you know, this major influence in your life. With the foolish people, it's don't be one of them. And then the final group are the what? The wise people or the prudent people. These are the people who are thoughtful about their life. That, you know, in fact, if I were to give you a definition of what it means to be prudent, it would go like this. That to be prudent means to act carefully with your one and only life by giving careful thought for the future. Prudent means to act carefully with your only life, your one and only life, the life that you have been gifted by God by giving careful thought for the future. A prudent person can be described like this. They are thoughtful. They are the seeker of wise counsel. That is, they surround themselves by, by people who seem to have, have figured out how to walk the path that leads them in, in, a, in, a, in a path of righteousness for the sake of God, to quote Psalm 23. They're far-sighted. That is, they're thinking about the implications or the ramifications of their decisions. Their decisions are not made just for today, but what that decision today might lead to down the road. They contextualize. They realize that, that there's a bigger picture. Sometimes, you know, we look at something, we look at, look at a circumstance, or there's something that somebody says to us, or there's, you know, there's, there's an opportunity or situation, and we see only this and not the big picture. And sometimes we make a decision based on the little picture that somehow kind of messes up the big picture at some point. 
They're level-headed. The, the prudent person is going to be level-headed. They're not going to, to be un, um, un, undue in, in the, the, what it takes to make a decision. They're going to be self-controlled. They're going to be emotionally mature. They're going to be cautious when they need to be cautious. They're going to always be thinking ahead. Now, as disciples of Jesus, and because as Christians we are called to follow Jesus, again, to be His disciples, what are the things that we should be prudently thinking about when it comes to engaging our life, our one and only life that we have been gifted with, with God, the fact that we are a living soul, what are the things that we need to consider as we enter prudently into this new year? Now, we want to keep it kind of connected to what we do as a church. And our mission statement is, uh, is, is, is going to be our starting point. So as you know, our, our mission statement goes like this. It is arrow up means what? And arrow out to the side? And then the cross, right. These are the three elements that are found in our mission statement. And believe it or not, they are found in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Two texts. Three elements in two texts. Now, if you're unfamiliar with them or maybe you haven't uh, ever been exposed to them or, or maybe you, you, know, you haven't thought about them for a while, let me, let me read them to you again if they are unfamiliar to you. Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 37. The context here is somebody comes up to Jesus and asks, you know, there are a lot of, lot of commandments out there. Which are the most important? Or what, is the, what can it be boiled down to? And Jesus says, it's this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So what is the first commandment? To love God with everything that you are, right? But then he says, the second is like it, love your neighbor, that is love other people, as yourself. When you think about Torah and the prophets, the, the wisdom literature, you think about all of the, all of the law, all the prophets, it boils down to this. It all hangs on these two commandments. And then the last thing, one of the last things that Jesus says to his disciples after the resurrection, as he gets ready to ascend to the Father, are these words. He says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. As the person, the one with all authority in heaven on earth, this is what I want you to do. Go. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of everyone you meet. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and know that I am with you always to the very end of, these, of this age. Now, in these two scriptures, Matthew chapter 22, the Great Commandment, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, you find five areas that require prudence. Worship, fellowship, service or ministry, faith sharing or outreach or evangelism, and discipleship. Let's look at them one at a time, and this will be the areas that we want to go into 2024 being prudent about. Let's start with worship. This is about loving God. 
Loving God with all that you are. Recognizing that God is the ultimate value of the universe. That He is love and He is a father and a shepherd. And that He comes to us not, not to scare us away, but to draw us in by His beauty and by His love and by His grace. I love the way that the psalmist talks about God in Psalm 89. He just sort of stands back and he just marvels at the greatness of God. He's trying to get his mind around God and he just keeps failing and failing and failing because God is huge. God is gigantic. God is so, so enormous and immense in strength and in glory. And he says, the heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare with the Lord? Who can compare to God? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? And the counsel of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Question he's asking himself is this. Who is like you? Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. And so as we go into 2024, here's the prudent question. Am I worshiping God and God alone? Am I worshiping God and God alone? A prudent person will always question the possibility that there are idols, that there are rival gods that have found their way into our heart. As, as we considered recently when we were talking about the, the Samaritan woman at the well of Sychar uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that we talked about in that sermon, I'll remind you of it, is that the Bible never commands worship. The Bible assumes worship. The Bible knows that the human heart is built for worship. The Bible assumes worship, never commands worship. What the Bible commands is let what you are going to do naturally by having a worshiping heart, let what you worship be God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in between, including you. The Bible continually says, let it be God that you worship, that you give yourself to completely, for there is no one, there is no one like him. So in 2024, what can you do to become more worshiping, more worshipful of God and God alone? Now, for, for some of us, that may be that, you, you know, we need to engage with God on a daily basis and be wowed by God, awed by God on a daily basis. I mean, it, uh, one of the things that Dallas Willard, uh, I think, has, has, has taught me is that of the core disciplines of spirituality, worship and, and study are kind of at the center, at the core, at the heart of that. That you do not study the Word of God properly, or at least to the full extent that you should, if in the study of that Word it does not somehow lead to worship. And if worship somehow is not somehow defined by the study of Scripture, then it actually becomes the worship of an experience than the worship of God. And so are we being daily awed by God and who He is as we walk the earth with Him? Or it might be, in, in 2024, I need to be more committed to just being at corporate worship, where I worship with other people, 
where I'm encouraged by their singing, by their prayers, by, by, their, by their, their you know, thoughts about the cross in fellowship with brothers and sisters and saying that I'm not alone. And I know the background of some of these people and know what God has done through His grace and power to take them from where they were to where they are today and to be awed by that. And maybe it's just to be here more often and not allow other things to stand in the way. Or it might be you're here, but you're not engaged in worship. And in 2024, the thing that you want to do more than anything else is just engage in worship when you come together on the first day of the week. Let's talk about fellowship. So there's worship. Let's, let's think prudently about worship. Now there's fellowship, which is about loving people, to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, Paul is going to talk about this over and over and over again with all of these churches that he addresses in the Christian scriptures. Because the big problem is this. How do you get all of these people who have never hung out together because they're so different, they speak different languages, they have different experiences, they have different socioeconomic backgrounds, they, they're just from different parts of the world. How do you get them to, to get along with each other? And so he's always addressing, this is how it happens. And one of the things he says over and over and over again is that, you know, the thing that binds us together, that makes us the body of Christ, is we have all experienced the love of God through Jesus. That it is the cross that brings us together. And so Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 5, In Christ we, though many, form what? One body. The MacArthur Park Church of Christ is a very diverse group. But guess, if you want two words to describe who we are to the community, it is one body. People, you hear me say this you know, a lot. Let me say it again as we get ready to go into 2024. When people come into our assemblies, they should see every person in the demographics of San Antonio right here in this place and think to themselves, wow, every person that I encounter in our community of San Antonio is right here. And the really weird thing is they don't have any business being together except the cross of Jesus. And it's because through the cross of Jesus, not only have we been forgiven, but you know, the cross, the cross of Jesus, friends, is not just about forgiveness. It's at the cross of Jesus that we learn how to love. Because the ultimate expression of God's love is found nailed to a cross, His Son. And His Son did it in order for us not to die the death that we deserve. You know what? You ha somebody's going to pay for your sins. Somebody is going to pay for your sins. The decision that you're facing, is it going to be you, or is it going to be Jesus who's already done it? And you know what? It was all done because of love. The church is made up of people who are striving to look like Jesus in the community that they find themselves. We are the body of Christ made up of many. I mean, aren't you glad that not everybody in this church is like me? We are formed into one by the cross, and this is one of the ways that we shall love to one another. So what is it that you can do in 2024 to, you know, to do better in, in the area of fellowship, that is, in, in, in being the one body of Jesus. Inside of your, your handout, is, or inside, inside of the bulletin, is a handout, an insert, that's talking about small groups. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail right now, but let me just say this. In 2024, we are going to relaunch 
the new version of our small groups. We have lots of small groups that are meeting. Uh, we're going to kind of revamp it a little bit. There'll be more on this in the, the coming weeks. But we are going in our small group ministry, we're going to offer three different ways that you can be involved in a small group. The first one down here in the lower right-hand corner are entry groups. You may be new to Mac, or you may be new to the faith, or you may be interested in our faith. And we want to have a, a small group that will meet for a period of time that will help you get acquainted to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Or if you're new to Mac, but you've been a Christian all your life, there are ways that we do things and the ministries that we have in our church. We want to help you to get acquainted with that. Or it might be you have a lot of questions about God or the Bible or any of the number of questions that we encounter in our culture. We want to have a small group that very respectfully in a conversational tone of voice is able to just talk about why we believe that God is the answer and why we believe that God, through Christ Jesus and the Spirit, is transforming our lives and making us a different kind of human. The second kind of group is going to be for those, you, you know, everybody goes through different seasons of life, right? And there are times when you're busier than other times. When you have small kids, you're kind of limited. When your kids are involved in different kinds of things, um, it, you have limited time. Or when you get older, there's any number of reasons that we have seasons of life. And some of those seasons don't some some of those seasons make it really hard for you to do something that's long term. But because fellowship is so important, we want to have a small group that might meet from one month to two months to three months that might be on a special focus, something that you're interested in, that for three months you can, because of your season in life, commit yourself to being in fellowship with some people. We'll talk more about that later in the middle to the late part of next year. But what we want to launch in February are what we're calling the journey groups. The journey groups in many ways look like the small groups that we have right now. Um, there's more detail that we're going to give you. But maybe if you would like to be a part of a small group that is going to meet weekly or bi-weekly for a year to two years, this would be the way that you would prudently act in 2024 towards enhancing fellowship and, and honoring God that way. Number three is service. Another way you show love to people is not just being in relationship with them, encouraging them, but also ministering to them, serving them. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul tells the church in this region of Galatia, the churches to serve one another humbly in love. You know, in 2024, maybe one of the best things that you can do with your life in becoming uh, a better and, and, and more developed and, and deeper as a disciple of Jesus is to be involved in a ministry someplace. If you have a question about that, contact the office. We'll, we'll plug you in someplace. And then let's look at faith sharing. That's number four. That's outreach. That's evangelism. One of the last things that Jesus said to his followers was to go and to make disciples. And this was not something that just the leaders of the church were going to do. In Acts chapter 8, the first one of the first deacons, Stephen, is martyred. That leads to a persecution of the church in Jerusalem that spreads the disciples into Samaria and Judea. And what we read in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, as they are scattered, are these words. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. There was something about the gospel that was just so winsome. So life-changing, so transforming, that wherever they went, they could not help but talk about the good news of the kingdom of God and how Jesus has opened a door 
for them to live in that kingdom through his resurrection. In 2024, who is the one person you can share your faith with? In 2024, who is the one person you can, you can introduce to Jesus? And then the last thing we'll talk about is discipleship. Uh, again, uh, I, I say this a lot, but Jesus never called us to be Christians. He called us to be disciples. He called us to follow Him. Before there were Christians in Acts chapter 11, there were the, the disciples of Jesus. He called people to follow Him and to walk in His footsteps. One of my favorite verses when it comes to discipleship is this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, where we read, Whoever claims to live in Him, two words, say it, Whoever claims to live in him, that is Jesus, must live as Jesus did. Which means that the things that Jesus did are the things that we incorporate in our own life. Whether it's prayer, whether it's worship, whether it's ministering to people, whether it's the study of God's word and memorizing so that it's always available to us in whatever circumstance we might find ourselves in. That's what we do. And again, we want to talk about all of these more in 2024. But suffice it to say that these five areas, if we are to think very, very carefully about our lives and how we can, we can become more like Jesus by choosing to follow Him and to engage our life with Him and with God and to be empowered through the Spirit to be transformed degree by degree by degree by degree into the likeness of Jesus. There, there is a lot of areas that we could, we could find and, you know, to work on and to improve and to become more like Jesus in. You, you know, we, we sing a song at the end of our, our, our preaching time, our message time. And it's, it's a time for us to reflect on what's being said. And it's also a time to just just respond, to just respond to, to, to the invitation to become a disciple of Jesus, to, to not just become one for the first time, but to continue becoming one and living as one and developing as one as we go through life together. And that's the invitation this morning, to become a disciple of Jesus, either for the first time today or to become more like him today and tomorrow and the rest of your life. Let's praise God together. Let's stand and sing.